Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. And today I'm going to be telling you part one of the Vallow and Daybell case. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe and let's dive in. We will continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly, but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more Crime Over Coffee content. By signing up for our Patreon, you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content. To check out this opportunity and sign up for the Crime Over Coffee Patreon, visit www.patreon.com slash crimeovercoffeepod. Thank you again for all of your support. I'm going to preface this episode and the following episodes about this case with a few things. First off, it does deal with crimes against children. I want to always preface that, you know, just in case if that really bothers you, this may not be a case you want to listen to. Just for some background, I have been following this case since it all unfolded years ago. I have been really, really waiting to cover this because I had had high hopes that I would wait until it was completely done because it is still unfolding as we record today, March 2023. But there is so much information that I know I can give you all at least a quick backstory, kind of the content of it, and then I will follow up later on when this case finally wraps up. Because Abby's been following this case since it initially happened and we knew that she would be covering it, I have completely stayed in the dark about this. I know the very bare, bare minimum about it and just like initially what kind of came out. So this is going to be just as much of a surprise for me as it is for all of you. Absolutely. And, you know, this case has been very public, very talked about for the years that's been unfolding. And there is a recent Netflix docuseries called Sins of Our Mother that has come out that I do recommend watching. I definitely watched it and took some notes from it. It gives a really good view of some of the people on the inside of the situation. Again, it's a big case. There's a lot of information and by no means will I be covering all of it because we would be here for a very long time. So with these big cases, I always recommend, you know, feel free, go look around and see what else you can find. If there's something you want to share with us that we didn't talk about, we're happy to know more about it. There's just, there's just too much information for us to cover. And then last, but certainly not least, this case is actually a recommendation from one of our listeners, Ashley M., And Ashley recommended we cover this a couple years ago. And again, I was kind of waiting, trying to see if it would wrap up so I could cover it all in one one go around. But that's just not the case. But we do want to say thank you to Ashley M for suggesting this to us. And we're sorry it took so long, but we're happy we can finally cover this case for you and for all of our other listeners. With that, too, if you guys ever have any case suggestions, we'd love to hear them. We have a sheet, a list. We follow them. And we try to cover them as often as we can. This case is often known as the Vallow case. It really circles around Lori Vallow. A little bit of backstory about Lori. She was born to Barry and Janice Cox. 
she had a relatively normal childhood growing up, according to her parents. She had a few relatives. I will mention her two brothers, Adam Cox and Alex Cox, do come back up in the story a little bit later. But additionally, she had a sister named Summer. Her family was raised in the LDS Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also called Mormonism. I grabbed just a little bit of information about this church. Obviously, religion can be a little bit more fluid than I'm going to get into, but just a little overview. The LDS's church traces its origins back to religion, which is founded by Joseph Smith in the United States in 1830. And the term Mormon is often used to refer to the members of this church coming from the Book of Mormon. It is a pretty widespread church religion. I'm sure most of you have heard of it. And they are characterized by a unique understanding of God and the an emphasis on family life. And then they also have a desire for order, respect for authority, and they focus on a lot of missionary work. As with a lot of religions, there's all kinds of different, you know, nuances. I'm not going to dive into it, like I mentioned, and you guys, I really recommend looking into more of it, um, but it does weigh heavily into this case, which is why I'm kind of talking about it up front. Lori got married pretty early after high school to her high school sweetheart, William, and had her first child, whose name is Colby Ryan, and she had him at 22 years old. Colby, I'm going to talk about quite a bit. He really is the main person talking about this case and how everything unfolded in a Netflix documentary. I will also preface this with just saying he seems like such a great person and I really feel for him and listening to his story was just crazy, sad, but inspiring at the end and I have nothing but great things to say about Colby. Shortly after Lori had Colby, she did split up with William and actually ended up getting together with Joe Hayes and marrying him. At this point, she has her second kid, Tylee. We immediately kind of start to see these weird tendencies of Lori making statements, bold statements about what she's being told to do and what's going to happen from God. Again, I'm just going to preface this with I'm not by any means trying to offend anything religious. I'm just kind of going through the facts of what she was saying and how it was leading into her actions in her eyes. An early example of this is that Lori actually was on Wheel of Fortune and she claimed that God told her that she was going to be on Wheel of Fortune at some point. And so that's just a little side note that's early on, kind of just a small thing, but I think it's interesting to note we start to see this progress more and more. Colby, during the documentary, kind of discusses the relationship he's having with Joe Hayes and it's not good. And Unfortunately, Joe does abuse Colby. And once Colby kind of mentions this to Lori and Lori's starting to find out and it's unraveling, she takes her kids and she does leave. In 2006, she's gone. She's got Colby and Tylee and she's really moving around. She's joining other churches. She's sticking with the LDS churches, though. She does remain within this group, this religious group throughout her life. In 2006, there's a point where she meets Charles Vallow. And Charles is, from everything I could tell, just a, a great guy. He had already had a few kids from a previous marriage. I believe it was three sons. 
and he he loved Colby and he loved Tylee and it was reciprocated. And Lori and Charles do end up getting married. And according to Colby, this is a really good marriage. All the siblings get along. You know, it's no complaints here. In 2014, Charles and Lori adopt JJ Vallow. JJ at the time when he was born, he was actually the grandson of Charles's sister and they were not able to keep him. And instead of him growing up with what would be his grandparents who are a little bit older, Charles and Lori decide they're going to adopt him. JJ did have autism. The family, again, family dynamics good. And Tylee grows very attached to JJ. They're really close. And she is kind of like a mother figure to JJ. She is attached to his hip, vice versa. And because of this, this tight unit starts to continue to form. And they would do stuff like go on vacation together. And Hawaii was a big one where they would go every year and apparently was a really great time. And they actually end up moving to Kauai, Hawaii in 2014, and they live there for three years. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona. Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Alrighty, here we are. We are living in Hawaii. And Lori is attending some more LDS churches in the area. And she ends up making a friend named April Raymond. This is where we first start to hear that Lori is kind of having some issues with Charles. She's a little bit upset with him because she feels like he is not as into their faith as she is, basically. She's wanting somebody who is more focused on their religion and practicing it. It's at this point she starts making some more bold claims. And she's claiming that she's communicating with the angel Maroni. She's claiming she doesn't need to sleep a lot because, or she can't sleep a lot because she's getting woken up by angels often to give her instructions on what she's supposed to be doing. And as I mentioned, the her faith in religion falls into this case very heavily. So that is why I'm giving these claims. Take them as you will, but it plays a factor throughout this whole thing. At some point, they end up moving back to Arizona from Hawaii. And Colby at this point is gone. He's in college and he meets his now wife, Kelsey, and they end up getting married. Kelsey is a Christian and she goes to a Christian church. Colby starts going with her and there's this little bit of resentment coming from Lori because of this. And it's at this point that Colby and Lori's relationship kind of starts to break apart a little bit. But Lori is still married to Charles. She has Tylee and JJ. They're back in Arizona. Again, Lori is kind of looking where she's going to fall into in regards to the LDS church. And she starts listening to these podcasts and she starts acting a little different. She's concerned that Basically, an apocalypse type of thing is going to happen. She starts doomsday prepping. It's around 2017 that I guess 
she really starts to like have a little bit more of a strained relationship with her kids as well. Her focus is more on these podcasts that are discussing the LDS church and maybe some viewpoints that caveat off of that. Again, doomsday prepping, but she starts reading books written by author, I guess, author, quote unquote, Chad Daybell. He had written several books about preparing for the end of the world, basically saying the end of the world's going to come and he's going to have a community in Rexburg, Idaho, where some of these select people are going to survive and carry on in the name of God. There's comments being made from Lori talking about how terrible the end of days is going to be and how it's going to be so scary and maybe they don't want to be around for it. She's making comments about maybe I should just take my kids and like drive off a cliff. Like maybe we should just die now to spare how scary and intense it's going to be when that end comes. At this point, she kind of starts looping in her brother, Alex Cox, and he's around quite a bit. And they start forming this group, getting some more friends within their church. Melanie Gibb is one of them, and they start doing their own podcast. In 2018, Lori goes to a conference, and it is about preparing for the end of this time in these trials. And Chad Daybell is speaking there, and he's has a table or booth set up and he's selling books. So Lori goes and actually gets to meet him. I guess they immediately kind of connect and he's telling her like, oh, we've actually been married multiple times in different lives. We've always been connected. Like I said, this occurs in October of 2018 and they start doing a podcast together where they're they're talking about the same kind of content. The end of times, select people are going to be I guess, privileged to carry on the world. I will mention Lori is still married to Charles and Chad is also married to Tammy Daybell and they do have five children. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about Chad Daybell. As you guys already know, he's writing these books. I won't go into it again. I've already said it, but he has been with the LDS church for a long time. He actually served two years on a mission in New Jersey where him and others were trying to bring people into the church. When he comes back, he goes cliff diving in Utah. And this is where he says he has this near-death experience. And he actually, I guess, supposedly, he claims, he hit his head and now he can see visions of the future. And that's where he is pulling from, I know the end is coming, this whole thing's coming, and this is how we prepare. He as I mentioned, ends up getting married to Tammy. Her name before being married is Tamara Douglas and they have kids. And this is just when he starts snowballing and writing his books and doing his podcasts. He actually starts a publishing company to publish his books. And he goes on to discuss this end time, this apocalypse. I'll just start calling it an apocalypse. He's basically claiming he can kind of rank people based on how many past lives they've had, which is something he can identify. And he's saying that 144,000 chosen ones are going to be saved after this apocalypse and carry out the work of God into eternity. And these are quotes from him, his books and his podcast. And as I mentioned earlier, Rexburg, Idaho, they're going to start creating these camps And it's going to be the, quote, New Jerusalem, end quote. Something that I want to know about this, he's 
pulling from the LDS religion, this kind of discussion about an end in some scenarios. But let's talk about Chad's claim specifically, because within this church, they're discussing, you know, this apocalypse happens and Christ comes in and leads the people into eternity. In Chad's story, in his visions, he's doing it. He's leading these 144,000 people. And so immediately you can pick up on that. It's a little culty. It's manipulating the situation. It's using fear to scare people into following him and doing what he wants. Lori is falling into this very heavily. Remember earlier, I kind of mentioned like she wanted Charles to be more devout like she was. And now she has this man who is supposedly or claiming to be like the most devout really and she is just really following him listening to what he's saying and honestly being manipulated by him and I don't think I too far for me to say that at all yeah it sounds like everything that Chad's telling her is pretty much what she's been looking for for a while in a man but it's such an extreme I I, I don't (laughs) think I could say anything without somehow sounding slightly offensive and i don't want to sound offensive yep while chad and lori are still with their their spouses they do start an affair this is where it really starts to get even more twisted because now chad is saying he can see people who are light and dark who are zombies who are dead and have demons and they might be walking around acting like normal people but they're gone and to save their spirit they have to die before the apocalypse. So take that in. So now you have this man who is deliberately saying, this person that you know is actually a zombie or a demon. Their spirit's still there, but they're gone. And to save them, they have to die. So you can just imagine how manipulative this is. This sounds to me almost like a plot for an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah, actually, that's an interesting way to... I don't know if anybody has seen Knock at the Cabin. I won't give any spoilers because it's a great movie and you should watch it. But it's that same thing. Someone's coming in and says, you can do this to either shift or prevent an apocalypse. But it involves harming somebody you know. What are you going to do? It's it's interesting that it's like something that is actually happening in real life. I know that there are some extremists in all areas of life, including in religion. And so this is definitely a case where I think we're seeing that. It's interesting to me how many people are like supporting Chad and like, yeah, what you're saying is accurate. And like, I believe that. And the reason I think I struggle with that so much is because they like have this basis of their religion that is pretty much telling them the exact opposite. But then this human man comes forward and says all of this stuff that's I'm the messiah or i'm the one like it's me yeah and they're like okay yeah for sure even though everything that we have from our religious textbooks tells us it's not like i'm still gonna believe you and i'm gonna support you and it's just i'm struggling with that a thousand percent i like that you also said man because let's be honest most cults that we know about it's a man who's taking advantage manipulating a word And that might be the Book of Mormonism, the Bible, what have you. And he's using it because he's a narcissist and wants to hold over people that kind of control. We could do a whole podcast on cults. That's not really our MO, but there's some great cult podcasts out there I recommend listening to. 
this is clearly a good example of what's that kind of manipulation and twisting, you know, what's coming out of the LDS church enough that he can still pull from the Book of Mormonism and say, hey, look at this. This is what it means. I'm interpreting it this way and manipulating people. Lori is getting fed this kind of information. And at some point, she actually told a friend that she knew that her husband, Charles, was actually dead and that there was a demon inside of him. She's acting strange towards Charles as well. He knows that she's making these claims and he kind of starts emailing Lori's family like something's wrong can you guys get involved and basically the family what had happened is Lori texted the family was like I found out Charles has been cheating don't respond to him don't listen to him blah 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 so the family is thinking he is just trying to get out of what he did and he was the one in the wrong and so that communication is not coming through following all of this it comes to a point where Charles has gone on a business trip. And as I mentioned, Lori's brother, Alex Cox, is hanging around. And he's he's very close with Lori and with Chad at this point. And Lori asks Alex to go to the airport and take Charles's truck from the parking lot and go to their house and take all of Charles's stuff out. And Charles gets home and literally like his stuff's gone. His truck was gone. He can't get into the house. He hasn't heard from the kids and he's freaking out and calls the police. And he's telling them like, she took all my stuff. She took off with the kids. She keeps claiming that I'm possessed by someone named Nick Schneider. So she starts calling people like Nick Schneiders. And there's another name too. I can't remember what it was, but They have this interaction on a police um, body cam video. Charles is just really trying to say, like, I think there's something seriously wrong. I'm scared for our children and I don't know where they are. And basically the cops are kind of like, we can try to get like a health assessment, a mental health assessment for her. Um, We can go in, but she has the legal right to take the kids. You know, she's their mom. And... At some point, they just leave because they're like, there's really not a crime. We will try to get in contact with her. And so Charles doesn't really know what to do. But he knew that JJ had school the next day. And so he shows up at the school and apparently Charles and Lori got in some argument. And I guess Charles took her purse or something. I don't know. It was really weird. And then Later in the day, Lori and Ty Lee go actually into the police department and they're like, and she's like, look, he was cheating. He freaked out. He took my purse and they're telling her like we, he wants you to get a mental health evaluation. And it's really awkward watching the interview because they're like joking and laughing with her. She's smiling and joking. Like you can tell they're not taking any claims from Charles seriously at all. The police are joking and laughing with Lori about all this. Yes. I just struggle so much with the world we live in. So she comes to the police and says, it's all on him. He cheated on me. And they're, they're just like, okay, well, we're going to believe you. And like everything that he said, doesn't matter. Throwing it out the window. He probably is possessed by Nick. (laughs) Is that how this conversation goes? I mean, essentially, and they're kind of, you know, she's like, do I have to go get like an evaluation? Will they like bust into my house or and they're like, someone might come knock at your door. You should probably just go do it now. Get ahead of it. And so she goes to the place, gets an evaluation. They say she's fine. She's not committed. 
and they're just kind of like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, the police really doesn't get into it anymore. And especially with how this all unfolds, it's really unfortunate. Now, at this point, we're in July of 2019 and Charles is staying in Houston, Texas, and he's coming to visit weekly to see the kids. They are separated, but not divorced quite yet. And at some point, Lori writes an email pretending to be Charles. And it's like this fake letter that is meant to hide from Chad Daybell's wife, Tammy, that they're having an affair. Again, Charles is reaching out nonstop to Lori's family. Like, I am scared. Something is wrong. And he finally gets through to Lori's brother, Adam Cox. And he's sending this stuff, this information, this letter where Lori is pretending to be Charles to like cover up the affair. And so Adam's finally like, you know what? Let's let's talk to her. Let's do an intervention. I'll fly out. We'll try to get her to the house and talk and figure out what the heck is going on. Lori kind of finds out about it and is just like, screw you guys. Everything's fine. Get out of my business. And Charles starts seeking a divorce. And here we jump to July 11th, 2019, where police in Arizona receive a phone call from Alex Cox that claims that he had shot Charles Vallow and he was dead. Join us back next week for part two of the Vallow and Daybell case. Thank you guys for listening and we will finish up the story next week. Thanks to listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.